Today's program has been brought to you by Fairway Market, like no other market, a New York City institution that sells the best local, national, and international artisan foods for prices that can't be beat. For more information, visit fairwaymarket.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to For Men About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm Mary Izette. <laughs> and I'm Chris Guzzi. And we're your co-hosts through this weekly journey, journey of all things fermentable. Archived on iTunes and Stitcher. And, of course, on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Mary, what's going on in the world right now? Well, we just finished up beer week. <laughs> <laughs> I have a proper hangover to prove it. Um, it was a great beer week. It was amazing. This is uh, the sixth uh, annual New York City Beer Week. Amazing things are happening here in New York City. Uh, breweries are popping up all over the place, and really good breweries at that. We're really excited about the New York City beer scene. Some of the highlights. So we, we were at Brewer's Choice at um, the Wife Hotel, which was put on by Jimmy Carbone of Beer Sessions Radio and Jimmy's number 43. And um, he had a lot of local New York State breweries. We met some brewery, brewers that we hadn't um, met before, and we caught up with a lot of people. And we had some really fantastic beer. One of the standouts was, and I'm not going to remember the name of it, but it was the one by uh, Chris at Newburgh Brewing Company. And he had this absolutely beautiful Belgian-style um, ale that was, I think, 11.3%, 100% fermented, and he used grape must, and it was amazing, and we're going to have Chris on a future show that involves um, grape beer or wine beer hybrids, because there's a lot of breweries doing that out there, and it's really delicious. Very excited about that. So that was exciting. There were some also some other delicious beers, but that was... Uh, that was kind of one of the standouts and something we're going to bring bring to you in the studio in the future. Uh, one of the other standouts is our friends Sarah and Giancarlo and Nice released their book, Beer Lovers New York. I believe they released it two weeks ago, but they had a um, an event that Chris and I went to. And we I have, I'm sitting in the studio with a copy of the book. It's absolutely wonderful. It's called Beer Lovers New York. It's the Empire State's Best Breweries, Brew Pubs, and Beer Bars. It's full color. They have some really good pub crawls and bars in New York City, and then they go through every brewery in New York State um, with maps and pictures and everything. It's a really well-done book. It's got a couple clone recipes in the back. One of which is... It's the beer we did together from the Pillow Talk series. <laughs> the 508 Bangin' Berliner. And then Chris has a 508 Eddie Oyster Stout that he did as well in the back. So they've got some food recipes. Anyway, it's a great book. You can pick it up at your local beer... Uh, Bookstore. Bookstore. Beer store. <laughs> Although probably some beer stores will be carrying it in New York State, I'm sure. Anyway, take take a look out for that. It's Beer Lovers New York by Sarah Anise and Giancarlo Anise. And speaking of uh, guests, future guests, next week we're going to have Ron Pattinson uh, from Shut Up About Barkley Perkins. And Dan Ron, Paquette. And Dan Paquette and, and Martha, I guess. So they are coming. Yeah, they're coming down and, well, across the pond, I guess, as far as Ron is. They're actually going to be doing a, I believe it's a book signing and kind of shindig at Browery Lane. It's actually at the same time as our show next week. So that's Monday at Browery Lane in Greenpoint, um, Brooklyn, at 7 p.m. But we're going to do a pre-tape for you guys. So that we can be at that event. Absolutely. <laughs> but Ron does some, I mean, he's... 
all about historical beer and his his website is fascinating. He does he's done some great books and super duper interesting for geeky historical beer lovers like, like many of us. us are. He does awesome stuff and the books are amazing, the recipes are amazing and to really get down to historical styles. Today's guest, today kind of today's episode kind of came out came about from uh as you guys know, we Mary and I were just on this trip to Asia, and we did a small, a couple interviews. And one of them was about fermented teas, um, but we're actually going to have that guy call in and and do that do that episode live. But we were talking with our friend Tommy Harder. How you doing, Tommy Harder? Good. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> uh, about fermented teas, and it turns out that he used to work at a tea house. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Back in like my other days as a young chef or whatever, um, I worked at a tea house. They had like hundreds and hundreds of different kinds of teas and i was just really mainly just like putting sandwiches together prepping all that kind of stuff but i was surrounded by all this stuff and we're i don't really drink coffee now because of it (laughs) (laughs) so you might have to give you might remember tommy from an episode that we did last year so tommy is currently the chef at the blind tiger ale house in manhattan he does absolutely amazing stuff there um and last time we had you on you talked about kind of Cooking with ferment or yeah, cooking yeah. with uh, fermented goods, and we'll probably talk a little bit about that. Yeah, actually, a bit later I mean, on. the whole thing was like the uh, the uh, the over umbrella of the menu is always having a fermented element, and almost everything being a craft beer bar, and having food that goes with craft beer is having that fermented element. Mm-hmm. And I've actually used tea in a lot of different ways. Actually, cooking, um, whether it's being like in a sauce or in a reduction, like a balsamic reduction, all that kind of stuff. I've actually used tea in a lot of ways because it's also a fermented, uh, a, you know, product that mm-hmm. is excellent to make. Give it like you know, give some just a little bit of like that that edge that you wouldn't think about. So, right. um, yeah, it was like it's a lot of fun to kind of kind of step out of the norm of like what you're thinking about, and then like, oh, I only drink tea. I'm like, well. You can smoke with tea. You can uh, use tea into sauces and all that kind of stuff, and it's actually really cool. What do you mean, smoke with tea? Oh, actually, um, like one of my classic uh, favorite recipes to, to smoke tea with is actually like you just think that smoke. You know, you think like smoking ribs or doing like a classic barbecue, but actually taking tea and that floor element and like doing something that's delicate, like a uh, duck breast or a chicken breast and smoking in that. Something that's going to take not a very long time to smoke. So you're only doing like, you know, for like an hour or 35 minutes or so. But actually using the tea leaves and burning them and that smoke that comes from it, it has the aromatic flavors that in, it permeate the meat. Yeah. And that gives you this a whole different, like, this aroma that comes from what you're tasting. And you don't know really it's what right. it's coming from. But you're like, oh, but it was like the tea leaves. And... Uh, tea itself, I mean, there's it's such a variety that that it's out there. There's green, white, black, red. I mean, all that kind of stuff. And so you can actually have that floral and aromatic uh, addition, and like really, people are just, you know tasting just like, oh, what what what's that coming from? And you don't realize it. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Do, what? So you know, teas are. I mean, certain teas are fermented. Do you know? Yeah. How, do you know what that process is, or what? Uh, well, I, I've actually never made tea right? Right. like that, but, <laughs> um, yeah, no, yeah, usually like, you know, tea leaves, I mean, it's the same, uh, plant and it, the leaves are dried and basically kind of laid out and all that kind of stuff. But the fermentation process is usually like as they're, 
they're drying it out, how they roll it or how they form it into different shapes. And there is a fermentation process that happens and different levels of it. So that's kind of where you get the different, almost of color, I would say. Like in, in China, they have like six different grades of tea. And, but... When it comes down to it, it's almost like a color, I want to say. Like, you know, you have your white, your green, your red, and your black. Um, and that actually is the process of how much things are fermented, or how much the tea is fermented. Uh, when it comes to the longer fermentation, there's you get teas like Pu'er, and, uh, like, Oolong is kind of, like, in between, and things that, uh, you know, teas-wise that people might know more uh, as far as the names, like Darjeeling, green, white, black, whatever, it actually kind of really depends on that process. Now, the fermentation process, as it's going, it actually uh, brings out, I want to say, different uh, agents that are in the tea that actually have a lot of health benefits. So, the, almost the more it's fermented, actually, the more healthy it almost is for you. Uh Give or take. <laughs> yeah. I should have had a lot more tea today. <laughs> my my post-beer week. Well, yeah. <laughs> Talk about Pu'er. Actually, is a tea that, um, because it's it's actually like an extra fermented tea, and it's going through like more of a process, it actually has agents that's known to have uh, uh, hangover cure properties in it. We like that. Yeah. That help that's why Pu'er has long been my favorite kind of tea. <laughs> <laughs> so Pu'er. Is something that I never encountered until we went to Hong Kong for the first time two years ago, and lo and behold, that's Chris's favorite, favorite tea. tea. Um, so we're gonna have anyway, just to kind of give you a little bit of information about Pu'er. So Chris and I visit this um, tea shop in what, what town? That's Kennedy, Kennedy town, town, right? In, uh, in Hong Kong, Hong Kong and um, Derek Lam. Mm-hmm. And absolutely amazing tea shop. The first time we ever went in there, he actually both times he takes us through kind of pro- how to properly. You know, make tea. He's got a really beautiful tea set, um, and he talks about Pu'er <laughs> and Pu'er. You people pay tens of thousands of dollars, if not more, for this Pu'er tea, and it's yeah. it's kind of has the age of it. It's graded, um, but basically, instead of you know just being dried like some teas are, there you know they go through this fermentation. It's almost like I've been reading. It's almost like a composting process. Yeah. So the tea, you know, go, does go through an actual fermentation, but it also um, goes through an oxidation yep. and you know, kind of possibly develops some enzymes. And it's pretty interesting. Well, here's the thing about Pu'er, pu'er as well. Actually, uh, kind of more of a history about it is that it was known as the emperor's tea. So from like centuries ago, um, it was only drank by the imperial family. Uh, much like forbidden black rice, uh, it was something that was only for the higher ups. And then once you know, you know, globalization and all that kind of stuff, slowly, you know, you know, um, it wasn't even released out of China for till like I don't know a couple of decades ago. And then you started seeing it, and then it was so rare, it was so fascinating. And no one really knew what it was, kind of thing. And the next thing you know, like everybody's like, "Poo air," like, "Oh yeah. yeah, I gotta have it." The <laughs> demand, you know. <laughs> yeah. But it was the emperor's tea, and yeah, it's uh, has like even like it has its own grades. Mm-hmm. There's kind of like the young, old, or you know, different grades, like how much it's been fermented. So it does have its own. Uh, animal of different flavors. Mm-hmm. And there are Pu'er collectors out there. You can buy yeah. a brick of Pu'er right now and you save it for 10 years and it'll, you know, the value will go up like ridiculously. Yeah. Uh, People sell our tea kind of like they do wine and, you know, now beer as well. So, yeah. 
I try and drink all the puer I can as fast as I can because it's delicious. <laughs> so the puer taste is with this process. It's 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 a darker kind of flavor and got a lot of earthiness, well, but, it, it, but it can be very smooth. For well. a Chinese tea, they actually what we think is black floral. tea they consider red, and this is actually like the black tea for China because of its extra fermentation and the oxidization, all that kind of stuff that happens. So it's like what we think is black tea. You know, like we have white, red or white green and black is more common this is kind of like the other grade kind of thing you were speaking yesterday about uh something you made with green tea what was it oh uh oh i actually did a brunch item where i did a a watercress crepe uh stuffed with uh prosciutto cotto which is like a, a cooked herb rosemary ham uh heirloom tomatoes and it was topped with a sunny-side-up egg, but I made a green tea sauce. So it was almost like a hollandaise sauce that I infused with green tea. And it was a green tea that also had, like, stuff added to it, like tangerine zest. And it had some other aromatics kind of, kind of stuff. That's really common with a lot of teas. Like, I mean, like, green teas, like, they throw other agents into it to give it different flavors and stuff. But you know, I used to tea that like it was just, <laughs> just herbaceous kind of- and citrusy and all that kind of stuff that actually gave a, a hollandaise sauce like a little bit different of a uh, a lift, I guess I should say. That's awesome. It sounds great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was pretty good actually. You got that coy grin over there. You should have been there. <laughs> I was licking it up <laughs> when I was done. <laughs> yeah, yep. Have you ever cooked with or with puer? Yeah, actually I have. Um, Puer, you know, because it's got like the extra fermentation, it's got some funkiness. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually have used it to actually smoke, but I've also used it in um, other variations like doing like a balsamic drizzle where you reduce balsamic vinegar down to almost a syrup and kind of throw it to the last minute and infuse it. And it just kind of gives, I mean, it's already kind of, the balsamic vinegar is already like a sweet and sour, Mm -hmm. but that little addition kind of gives it a little funk. 